Welcome to the Binge Essentials Podcast. I'm your host, David Rocha, and joining me as always, fresh from his stay at the Rosebud Motel, is Romeo Mora. Romeo, how was the stay? It was wonderful. They had repeats of my favorite soap, Sunset Bay, and I enjoy a little bit of uh, this delicatessen fruit wine. Find any bloodstains on your bedsheets? No, but I found <laughs> loose strands of hair from wigs. Well, the reason we're making such references today is because we're going to be talking about Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek is a Canadian television sitcom created by father and son Eugene and Dan Levy that aired on CBC television from 2015 to 2020. The series follows the formerly wealthy Rose family's trials and tribulations. After Johnny Rose's business manager embezzles the family business, the family loses his fortune and relocates to Schitt's Creek, a small town they once purchased as a joke birthday gift for his son David. Now living in a motel, Johnny Rose, played by Eugene Levy, and his wife Moira, played by Catherine O'Hara, along with their adult children David, played by Dan Levy, and Alexis, played by Annie Murphy, must adjust to life without money and with each other. The series also stars Jennifer Robertson, Chris Elliott, Emily Hampshire, Sarah Levy, Karen Robertson, Dustin Milligan, and Noah Reed. Joining us to talk about Shiz Creek is Rena. Rena, how's it going? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Now, we usually reach out to people, see if they want to be on the show, and they throw out some show ideas. And so the show that you threw out was Shit's Creek. Why did you want to talk about Shit's Creek? I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell into it accidentally. I had a friend, many friends, tell me to watch it, and I'm very stubborn. So I chose not to watch it for a very long time. (laughs) I actually didn't start watching until it came on Netflix, but even then, I didn't watch it. I watched one episode and I thought, "Eh," and then I kept watching it and I just fell into it. I've watched it about four times. What was it that really like pushed you over the edge to finally start watching it? The first push was people were telling me, I know you're going to love this show. I know I watched this show and I know how much you'd love this show. I was very resistant to do it because I don't want people to know me, don't know me. And they did. They kept saying what I hear all the time, which is the first season. Don't worry about it. Watch the first season. Don't worry about it. And I thought, well, that sounds an awful lot like other shows I've been asked to watch, but I did not want to be seen by other people. Yet I felt seen and now it's like a comfort blanket for me. It's my comfort watch. Was there something about the pilot? that got you hooked or did it actually take a lot longer for you to really get reeled in by the show? I love how grossly flamboyant the family is. Like Moira is clearly like the peacock, very flamboyant, just feathers out all the time. Johnny is more the behind the scenes man, very concerned about business. I David is very snobby in terms of how flamboyant he is with his clothing and just how he conducts himself. And Alexis is not showy, but she has a lot of interesting experiences that and name dropping that people, regular people just wouldn't have. So all of them are flamboyant in their own way, but they are a very cohesive group of very interestingly weird rich people. I think my favorite line in the pilot was when they were forced to leave and after being seized, Moira is yelling at one of the maids saying she's named all of her wigs and she said that one of the wigs can't be packed with the other wig because they don't get along. <laughs> and at that point, I knew this show was for me. The pace of the pilot really surprised me because we spent almost no time in this giant mansion of theirs 
And throughout the series, we see very little flashback to their previous life. In fact, I think there's only one episode, really, where we see them in their previous life, and that's the Christmas party episode. Just seeing that like little taste of it, but in that little taste, you already get an idea just who exactly these characters are. And then being displaced in this little town called Shit's Creek, how they're just the fish-out-of-water experience, and they're just totally grossed out, and they're just totally depressed and can't believe that they're in this situation and trying to find ways to get out of it is it's funny like you really do get the idea of what these people are like and what rich people are like because dan levy came up with the idea of the show because he used to work on mtv and he would watch reality shows and he thought well what if like the kardashians weren't the kardashians or i should say what if the kardashians lost all their money would they still be the kardashians and so he kind of took that idea and ran with it yeah he came up with something that was very unique in its own way i mean it's it's kind of funny because i can't think of another show that has such a premise like that which i just remembered dan levy did the after shows for the hills and that's where alexis was born from yeah i very much like the hills i should i admit that on a podcast about Shit's creek sure who do you think alexis is more lauren uh, or adriana um you mean audrina, adrina um, sorry I, was, I haven't seen it in a while so no that's okay i watch recaps every week i'm not embarrassed at all. I would say she is a Lauren uh, mixed in with a Heidi. Alexis is more likable than Heidi. Well, of course, in terms of name dropping and just complete ditziness, I would say she falls in the Heidi camp. But I think in the absolute sweetness and pureness of soul, she's a Lauren. So did you know of Dan Levy before Schitt's Creek? I did not know of Dan Levy. Um, okay. I only know of his dad because he was in one of my most favorite Josie and the Pussycats. Of course, he was in a lot of older classic comedies, but growing up around my age, uh, uh, it was American Pies where I knew Eugene Levy and of course Catherine O'Hara from Home Alone. But yeah, I mean, Annie Murphy, no one on the planet really knew who Annie Murphy was. She went almost two years without landing a role, so she was ready to stop acting. And then she got an audition for Shiz Creek and the rest is history. But yeah, I didn't know who Dan Levy was either because I stopped watching things on MTV after the year 2000 or something like that. So and yeah, yeah, that was another thing of that uniqueness is just like the unfamiliar cast that you have of actors, if not only just being a Canadian show but because you just don't really see some of these actors in anything or in a lot of things Chris Elliott I mean some people might recognize Chris Elliott from his comedy days I mean he did a lot of stuff for Conan O'Brien he had his own show on Adult Swim called Eagle Heart I don't know if you <laughs> know about that oh, show but but that was um, him that was him yeah that was him <laughs> I never watched it because I, yeah, same Romeo. I saw the commercials and thought, oh God, I wouldn't want to watch this. It's funny because I watched him on the pilot and I think, man, he's so annoying. I, so what do you think about the surrounding characters in the show as well? The townspeople of Schitt's Creek. I mean, I was born and raised in a small town. And so I fully get it. I get how immersed you can be in a small town. People know your business. So if there's a new, a new person in town, or even in this case, a new family, Oh, they want to know all about them. And that's the quirkiness of a small town or the people who live in it. I think it's the cutest thing. I think they're <laughs> great. And all of them are very special in their own very special way. Is there a point that you realized that you were in it for the long haul, that you were going to watch this entire series? I realized that fish out of water, rich person, suddenly poor type of trope that happens in movies and shows. But the thing that made Shit's Creek different was the heart behind it. You couldn't tell right away that there was so much heart and so much love in the middle of 
of this family that you just think, oh, they're just rich. How are they going to survive in this really crappy town? And then you see just how much they love each other. And that really was the shining point that kept me going because there was real feeling there. There wasn't comedy for comedy's sake. Like they really care about each other and they show it in different ways. And I, I liked that bit of it. That's what kept me going the most. What I was amazed by was their commitment to the low stakes of each episode. It almost felt like it was just one of like a slice of life type of shows. And I think that's why some people have said that it's like, well, it takes a couple seasons to get into because as you're watching, you're really, yeah, you're watching it for those heartfelt, sweet moments. You're not really watching it for this overarching plot that a lot of shows will have season to season. Granted, Schitt's Creek does have those very lightly. I mean, there was a point when I'm binge watching the show, I was thinking to myself, okay, this is great and all, but when is it really going to get it going? I guess maybe I was having a harder time just enjoying the ride. I was still laughing. I was still watching. I was still enjoying myself. I would watch like 10 episodes of one day. I was binging this pretty hard to prepare for the podcast. But I would say it didn't take me until about maybe when the romantic relationship started to really develop. I think that's when I really started to really started to love the show and really see like the truest form of charm that this show has. And I guess it's a long way of me saying, um, so did you feel that at all when people said like you need to give it a couple seasons or were you saying to yourself, I don't know what people are talking about. This is this is amazing from the start to finish. I feel like you in terms of like, oh, when's this going to happen? When's this going to get started? This show is nothing like that. This show is the slow burn. This show is the bit of the roller coaster where you kind of coast along before you have to go up the hill and you just, you know, it pushes you towards that track to go up and you don't sometimes realize that you're going up. You don't realize that what Mm. you're doing is setting up for the big show. It is no big show. It's like the ride at Disneyland where you go to all the little towns and you go through the whale's mouth, the storybook boats. It's like that. You're never going to get faster than you are. But what you see is just absolute magic. It just opens up each time to something new and something great. And you realize once you've passed it, you're like, this was so lovely. Or you hit it, you get it hit in the season. You're like, this is so nice. This is so kind. One of the nicest things I've seen in a while. And they don't write television like that. You know, There's a lot of snark. There's a lot of backstabbing or tropes to keep things moving or to keep you coming back. But this show kept you coming back because you wanted to see what happened next in terms of what kind of thing are they going to get into this time? Almost like a Scooby-Doo episode. But, you know, (laughs) but it's nothing. It's not like that. You love the characters. You love the characters and what they do. Romeo, now I gave you a list of episodes to watch, so you were more jumping around than Mm -hmm. I was. So from your perspective, how did you feel watching in that way in comparison to watching it from start to finish the entirety? I'm definitely going back to see all the episodes I had to skip to prepare. I mean, there were funny moments. I mean, Myra's Nudes is probably one of the funnier episodes of those early seasons. But for me, it didn't pick up until the introduction of Noah Reed's character. Patrick. It became less about how they're going to get rich again and we had more connective tissue to the town. And even in season three, I believe, like Alexis trying to better herself and going back to high school and then her relationship, it became less about Mutt and more about about Tad. Once both siblings trying to stop escape Schitt's Creek and became more invested in themselves, it really picked up. Let's get into some of these main characters. Rena, which character would you like to start out with? 
I love Stevie. I feel if I was a character in Shit's Creek, I would most likely be Stevie. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same way. I mean, she's just so deadpan. I love it. She can read them. She's so polite. She still continues to call them Mr. and Mrs. Rose, which I find so charming. She never calls them Moira or Johnny. And that's, I think, something that's carried over into my adulthood, too. When, when I run into my friend's parents, I feel weird calling them by their first names. In fact, I won't even call them like Mr. with their surname. I just try to avoid saying their names altogether. Same. I'll be like, hey. Same. How's it going? You do the same thing. Yeah, okay. or teachers. I can't call teachers in the wild by anything but the name I knew them as. Right. So I had a professor, which we know this professor by reputation. He's legendary about his behavior towards his students when they don't follow instructions. Goes to the same church as my parents and got invited over for dinner multiple occasions where I had to sit across from him on many occasions. And at one point during dinner, he's like, I'm going to need you to stop calling me Dr. So-and-so. My name is this. You will. I'm not in school. I am not your teacher. But still, it was just like the weirdest thing. Or when we have the priest over, because yes, I'm back Catholic. You know, you don't have to call me father. I'm like, I'm sorry. It's hard, man. It's, it's so hard to and get sorry. out of that. I, because then it'll cross over when I see you in your place of work. I believe um, the term is polite habits are hard to break. Exactly. Uh, what I love about Stevie is like, she's watching her own reality show that's actually in her own reality so she is always excited when she's watching drama happening right in front of her or like these new family revelations that they reveal you know <laughs> she's just like ooh, like and she like tries to egg it on so she can milk it and get more information or cause more drama so it's more exciting for her yeah she's so funny when i first saw her i thought oh she must live in a room upstairs there yeah because you see the office. stairs behind the counter yeah and i thought the same thing i'm like oh maybe she lives upstairs because that would make sense right and then when you find out she doesn't you find it unfolding like everybody else does you have your own place and when you see it you're like yeah this looks like a place she could live in she doesn't bleed a lot about herself she absorbs other people and what's going on around her but you never find out a lot about her until she gives it to you and i do like how later on in the season we find out that she participates in like sex parties <laughs> right <laughs> right i mean i enjoy how she respects David and his sexuality and doesn't make a huge deal of it. They actually never make a huge deal of David at all. Like some yeah. shows might just point out, oh, they're gay. I mean, even Johnny's like, my son likes who he likes. It's fine. Because you had a creator <laughs> that's actually yeah, he, in the community, not like some straight person trying to be an ally, making a big deal to show, hey, I'm a good ally. <laughs> right. His character sort of reminded me of Roger in that way from American Dad, where it's just it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll touch anything that walks. Like, I don't care. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I like what I like and I'm, I'm going to dress how I dress and do what I do. And uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. And it is cool that, that Stevie, you would think coming from a small town. Now, I know all small towns aren't like this, but I grew up in a small town, too. And I will say there's a level of closed mindedness and that come with coming from a small town that you wouldn't see such an accepting community surrounded around that. But Shit's Creek and including Stevie being uh, David's best friend, kind of nice to have that person that he can kind of fall back on. It's like, he doesn't have to be so dependent on his family. He can be dependent on Stevie because he knows that there's always going to be someone who understands him and, and be his best friend. Because as we come to realize, he didn't really have a lot of real friends or any real friends for that matter. And even real businesses, like his parents had to admit that they bought things out or had people come and buy things and they bailed him out a lot. Right. So he had no real
real idea what it meant to have a real friend or what it meant to have a real business and succeed on his own because he thought what was success was really orchestrated by his parents. And I like that bit. Yeah, I thought that was a really good bit, too. So did you like what they did with Stevie's growth? Because I wasn't sure what they were going to do with her at first. I thought maybe she was just going to be that sarcastic side character. But eventually they actually made her the real owner of the motel and she became an actual businesswoman. Did you enjoy that trajectory? I really did. It's realistic. You know, she was put in the, I guess, family business to run this motel. And then it shows when she receives it, she's terrified because she's not used to being anything but someone working in the motel, Mm -hmm. going to be an owner. But then having Johnny there to help her gave her the confidence to, I can do this. This is stuff I've been doing all this time. I can do this. I really like that. The relationship between Johnny and CV gets even better once they start Mm -hmm. running the business together. It's a little bit of touch and go. I love it. It's realistic. It's not, oh, we're just going to make it succeed right away. They don't. I would even argue that by season three or four, I always saw Stevie a part of the family. She's like the adopted sibling, especially in terms of the relationship between Stevie and David. And of course, the father-daughter-like relationship that Stevie has with Johnny. And occasionally, like during the cabaret episode, even Moira gives her the confidence to perform at Sally for that big number. It almost seems kind of like a do-over for Moira and Johnny to really raise someone the way that they should have raised David and Alexis. I Mm -hmm. see that. By knowing the Rose family and being best friends with David, it just kind of opened her up to new things. And Mm -hmm. I, I love that a lot. What other characters would you like to talk about? I think Twyla is the perfect opposite of what Alexis is. Twyla <laughs> drops a lot of like really interesting bombs about her mom and her boyfriend, <laughs> about her mom, about her family and what they say to her or her, even like her psychic abilities or her ability to see ghosts mm-hmm. where Alexis is more dropping names like I was at this party with Leonardo DiCaprio and we did mushrooms with Paris Hilton or something very similar. They're both very much the same, but very much different. And I really mm-hmm. like that. They're adorable. I can't. Twyla is every bit a small town person that I would want to be friends with and make jewelry with probably. Sarah Levy, I think if she asked, they would have given her the role to play Alexis. She wanted to be Twyla because she can sort of create her own character in that way and not be hold into the constraints that would be required for playing Alexis. And yeah, I love characters and I've mentioned this before on other episodes, the characters who are just sort of shrouded in mystery and you learn bits of information about them throughout the entire series without actually having some sort of flashback or anything like that. There's Jared from Silicon Valley who's very good at this. Oh, Jared. (laughs) That guy. I love him so much. And there's Creed from The Office who is the same exact way. You know, you learn all these little things about him or you see blood on him in the background. You're like, what the heck's that about? But yeah, it's just so many good things about having those characters in your shows. And I love how at the end of the series, how you learned that she won the lottery and she's basically keeping it under wraps the whole time. And I thought, I can relate to that because if I won the lottery, I'd probably be the same exact way. (laughs) I I love that she chose to stay in town. You don't know these things about her. And based on what she says, it sounds like her childhood was not great. And yet she's always there with the smile. She's always there to be with townspeople. And she is such a tragic background, but you would never know. You just kind of get those bits and pieces. You know, like when she was learning to ride a bike and her, you know, stepdad had like pushed her on the bike and said, you just go. And she just kept riding her bike for a very long time. (laughs) And you're like, oh, no, that's so awful. I mean, it's clearly one of those things where you just wouldn't know how bad it is because 
she never, you never see her have a negative feeling about it. When I found out she was a millionaire, I'm like, get out of here. No, you're not. No, you're not. And she just offers to give Alexis money. Yeah, she could have bailed him out the entire time. (laughs) Right. Yeah. She could have been that person. And instead she was like, I'm just living my life at this Mm -hmm. cafe that I run with this extensive menu. And it doesn't sound like the food is very good, yet she makes all her money because people come there every day. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the only game in town, so I guess they have to. But it seems like, does anyone make dinner at home? Because it's always busy. It is always busy, isn't it? Yeah, that is strange. Where I grew up, there were three pizza places. I think a lot of people, they didn't go to that pizza place because that had the best pizza. They went there out of some form of loyalty. Our ancestors came from the same country, so we're going to go to this pizza place. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or like, oh, the whole police force eats at this place, so we're going to go eat at this place. That's how it was in my small town when it came to distinguishing which pizza place we should eat at. And that's probably along the same lines of what this restaurant is like, the Cafe Tropical. It's just more like, well, it's the only game in town or like, well, we like Twyla. She's cool. So we're, you know, we're just going to we're going to eat here. Or maybe it's like, oh, they have the best coffee. So we might as well eat breakfast here or something like that. I think people just find little reasons to just go to the same restaurant all the time, regardless of if certain qualities of the restaurant aren't all that great. Don't drink the smoothies. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Although, you know, I mean, to her credit, the only thing I've seen that sounded and looked delicious was the chicken and waffles. It's really hard to ruin that. Yeah. I, I wonder, though, how she makes all these things because they I mean, they sound not great. They talked about those mozzarella sticks and she's like, ooh, they lost some shape coming from the kitchen. How does a mozzarella stick lose shape? Never mind. I'm just going to eat this. It's fine. All right. Uh, any other characters? Besides the ever absolutely adorable, perfect Patrick, who was really interesting because you get to see his development from a person who you find out later was not initially gay. And, you know, he just was going to get married to a woman and he falls in love with David. And I think that's so pure. I mean, like, I just I didn't expect that at all. Like you felt it. You felt there was something between them when you first see David struggling to get his business paperwork finished. But you just you're like, oh, is he really flirting? Is Patrick really flirting with him or not? Are you or is it just, you know, you feel like David, like what's happening here? Mm-hmm. I don't see it. But, you know, of course, it takes someone else from the outside to point it out. And her name is Stevie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alexis was hinting at it, too. Yeah, it was clear to everyone. But David, <laughs> I, it seemed like a second, though, that Alexis was going to try to get a pass at Patrick. It didn't happen. You're right. It was all like, yeah, because she even I think it was like at the room of the hotel. She's like, or you could try something with Patrick. It was clear to everyone but David. But then again, it tracks for David because he hasn't always had the best luck. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he had that photographer boyfriend and took the pictures of Moira and Uh was clearly using it, clearly using him. And it was awful. Mm -hmm. And and you hear from like David's background that he's always been the stepping stone for a lot of people in that circle to further their career or to become more famous. Which again, which goes into that trust issue that he couldn't believe someone as nice and as pure as Patrick would ever see anything in him. I think that's when this series picked up for me too was, Mm -hmm. yeah, the relationship. I was like, oh, this is kind of a nice relationship. There's no... And there is their moment, little moments of drama, but it's like, it's the type of drama where it's like, ah, but you guys can work this out. It's not, it's not that it's realistic (laughs) drama. I will say that. Yeah. Like it's real stuff that most couples will fight about, but 
then they'll find a compromise. Oh, they'll get over it. Where mm-hmm. I feel like on other shows, the, the prospect of them moving to New York would have been a deal breaker. And then that relationship would have ended. And then we'll go on with two scenes of both of them trying to date other people and eventually find themselves back together. This show refreshingly took a realistic approach where they would talk about it honestly. And David making the rational decision inclusion like no we're gonna stay that's what makes Patrick happy and he too realizes he could be happy in this town with his business from a writer's point of view it's beautifully written that I wish more shows could be written like this in terms of dealing with relationship storylines the show shows real breakups and what happens Mm -hmm. when people really break up and even with Ted and Alexis he's the hot vet in town they're great their little cute relationship happened and then they broke up and then he dates the goat cheese woman. One of the things I really enjoyed is the way that, you know, she tried to date anyway, tried to find someone to date and couldn't because she was in love with Ted and they ended up getting back together and then they end up not getting back Mm -hmm. together. Like she tries so hard to want to be in love with Ted and she can't be. And that's all people. Like it isn't like they get back together and it's happily ever after. It's rocky up to the very end where she realizes who she is and she's like, well, this isn't working. Sorry, Ted. Have fun in the Galapagos. It was lovely. Sometimes the stars just don't align for two people to stay together even though they want to stay together and it felt unrealistic enough for them to stay together for it to work it's the Galapagos Islands it's very isolated and it's a career path that's going to take them maybe to other parts of the world and to expect Alexis to either travel with him or to maintain this long distance relationship while also trying to build her own career that's incredibly difficult to do it was such a nice breakup to demonstrate that these relationships do exist. These relationships do come in in this type of nature. Not everything is ugly. Not everything turns into an argument. It all came down to timing. And yeah. who's to say that 10, 15 years down the road, they don't cross paths again and rekindle the relationship and fall in love. That's in the realm of possibility. You don't have to hit yeah. each other when you break up. And I, I love that. One more thing about Patrick. So Noah Reed, it was funny is Dan Levy wasn't even present for his audition. So they weren't actually able to do a chemistry test. So they cast him not having this chemistry test. So I thought it was really impressive that the two of them still managed to have good chemistry. Chemistry is, from what I've seen in many TV shows and movies, it's incredibly difficult to pull off. (laughs) Sometimes it works, and boy, when it doesn't work, can it really (laughs) drag a show down? (laughs) Everyone can tell it's not working. And I liked how just very kissy and touchy they were at the beginning of the relationship, like all relationships, and it petered out, and then it just came back around again, and it was just like this hot fire. I should them hard. They're so cute. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're married now in the show, so I extra shipped it. <laughs> right. right. So are there any other characters you like to talk about? It's funny because there's a lot of characters that exist in complete opposite contrast to Moira and Johnny. And it's obvious that both Roland and Jocelyn are the complete opposite of Moira and Johnny. But they all seem to work as a friend group. I'm sure that Moira has never heard of a Dorito casserole before. So. <laughs> <laughs> you fold the cheese and that one? <laughs> no. I mean, if you could fold any cheese, it would be American single slices. <laughs> 
tell us about some of the high points of the show that maybe we haven't touched on yet. I love that I'm a musical person. And so clearly Patrick's song, it was beautiful. It was unexpected. I thought, oh, look, he's going up there. He's, oh, that's what he's singing. And you just feel it. There's so much heart. I cried. I mean, I'm a big crier anyway, but I cried because it was so sweet. And that Moira was there to see it and just truly know how much in love Patrick was with her son. You felt it. It was really great. And then on the other hand, you have a little bit of Lexus, which is the most consummate, most beautiful song that I've ever ever watched anybody (laughs) sing. That's the embodiment. If Dan Levy was thinking The Hills, that show like vomited The Hills all over the place. It was Annie Murphy in her trailer trying to come up with the song. And she brought in Sarah because she talks about it on The Kelly Clarkson Show, how she was trying to perfectly sing off key and make it like this real banger where you make it believable like one of the real housewives would release a song for her reality show. And then this beautiful thing just came out. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm not sure if either of you know, and I found this out Christmas of 2019 before the panorama happened. I was at a Christmas dinner with a handful of my friends and their family. And one of their friends who came from San Francisco is a drag queen. And also he helps produce a lot of drag shows. Uh And he said, did you know that there's a full version of a little bit of Lexus? I'm like, get out of here. Are you serious right now? And I probably listened to that thing like 10 times in the duration of us being there, like just in my headphones. This is the most magical thing I've ever seen. He said, drag queens love this song. So I have to keep telling them you can't keep doing this song. Like maybe one of you every three months can do this song, but you can't just keep doing this song. I mean, personally, I would go to a whole show when every single song is a little bit of Lexus because I'd love to see what happens when a drag queen does it. But yeah, that is an iconic song. That is an iconic song in that show. I mean, she really wrote a banger. The musical stuff, like the cabaret, going back to Stevie, I think like we get glimpses of the musical stuff that you were mentioning, but I think that moment for Stevie when she's singing that big Sally number, the climax of that episode, which is so beautiful and earnest, I think for me in my head, stands out out of all the musical stuff that we've seen. I mean, close second, of course, is the Jazza Gals singing at Alexis's graduation. What a tearjerker. Right? Because Alexis thought like, no one came. Well, she told them not to show up and they were just like, well, okay, if you don't want us to show up. But that's just Alexis just lowering expectations that she always does. I think it was the expectation that they wouldn't show because they never showed. Or in the case of her first graduation, her parents showed and she didn't. They always think that someone of Asian descent is Alexis in photos, like how Myra took home an Asian baby from daycare. Well, also, it wasn't even Alexis's body on the family portrait. Oh, right. It it was Johnny's assistant with Alexis's head. And then um, at the graduation, also an Asian student that they took a picture with that Johnny thought was Alexis. It was me, you guys. It was me. I was the Asian student. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Is that a bombshell on this podcast that I was the Asian student in all those photos? That was awkward for you, right? When that all happened. I mean, I'm just glad that it's out now. (laughs) (laughs) Any other high points? Season seven was a high point. You know what's coming. I mean, this is the part of the roller coaster where you get the drop. This is the part where it goes down the fast hill and you know what's going to be the end soon. And you're just trying to hang on as best as you can because you know what's going to happen and it's going to be great. And then it's going to have to stop and you're going to have to hop off. And so I think season seven for me was just like, this is just the best. 
podcast. Love you it so much. Six. 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 Sorry. Why do I keep saying seven? I'm like, it's okay. I watched it four times and for some reason I wanted to go into a season. Seven. No, I don't. I wouldn't. I would hate for it to go any further than it already went. It was worth it. It was worth the ride. And I was very happy. And that's why I would write it over and over again. What is one episode you would show someone to get them interested in Shiz Creek? That oh, was. season one, episode three. The Don't Worry, It's His Sister episode. Because <laughs> that shows a lot of the town. It shows a lot of the quirky character part. You already know that they're fish out of water, but it kind of introduces a lot of the main characters and just even the personality of the town through that poster. So were there moments you started to have your doubts about the show? Weirdly, I had one episode where it was an eye roll for me all the way around. A lot of my misgivings happened in season one, episode eight, where they get the Olivu cosmetics. Mm. And I'm just like, Moira would never, would never, regardless of how much money she needed, neither would David. And yet they both did. I mean, would I fully understand how the small town did it? Sure, of course. But I think in terms of them doing it, I was like, no way, no way. I think that's the one where I'm like, please don't be like this the whole time. And then it wasn't. They scrapped that quick. I didn't like how schemey that episode was. Yeah, Yeah. it it just it did feel a little out of place with those characters. It didn't work for me either. The Roses would never try to make money off the backs of other people like that. You didn't see that. And so that's why that episode was just so out of pocket. Like it just didn't work. And then afterwards, you never see it again. And it's fine. So how should one watch Shit's Creek? Should they binge it all? Should they pace themselves? Binge season one <laughs> just to <laughs> get it out of the way. But treat the rest of the seasons like you would a fine fruit wine a little bit at a time. So I would probably say two or three episodes at a time. Don't overwhelm yourself with it. You can retain that magic and you can just let it unfold. Because if you binge it too much, it's just like reading Harry Potter in one sitting. It's great, but you miss a lot of stuff. I would implore people to watch it slowly so they don't miss a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's fair because I binge this really hard. Some of it had to do with uh, I just wanted to get ahead of my work, but uh, another part of it was just more like it's just such an easy watch that laying on the couch and churning out 10 episodes felt like no big deal to me. But if I had to go back and do it all over again, I definitely would have spread them out a little better because I do feel like in preparation for this recording that I forgot a lot of things. And if I had like spread it out a little bit better, like you're suggesting, then my callback memory would be a lot better today than it has been so far. That's definitely a a good response. And yeah, have some wine, have some fruity wine to to go with it. I think that's not too much. Not too much. (laughs) 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 It's definitely a wine show. I, I do agree with that. And I think it's definitely like a casual show to have on with your friends if you're just like hanging out at for an afternoon or something. Yeah. Plus, you'll miss out or forget all the lovely, lovely name drops. Like that one time Alexis dated half of the cast of White Squall and more than one occasion she talked about her sort of relationship with Prince Harry. I love the croning thing because I love obnoxiously bad movies like that. There's this production company called The Asylum and their goal is to basically make like a horrible I mean it's just like low budget garbage of like if a Transformers movie is coming out then they're gonna make like their own version of Transformers and do just enough so they can't get sued those type of films always fascinate me since she was doing the crowning I was like oh that is this is the asylum like the asylum would 
percent produce a film called The Croning. Well, you know, um, the sad part was is I was watching her perform. I'm like, that's not a bad performance. <laughs> she takes yeah. it so seriously. That's what makes it so funny is because she doesn't know what kind of movie she's in. She thinks this is like her opportunity to be back into the limelight. This is just more like washed up actor needs a role and this is what they do. Like Eric Roberts is in a few of these movies if you're not right. familiar with Eric Roberts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the low budgetness of the croning. She has to pay for her own way to the shooting. They're going to put her up with the local family. Man, I, I really oh, wish right. that they had a um, they had like a little short film of the croning post on YouTube. I think that would have been great. Like the same how It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia posted their Lethal Weapon 5. I really wish that Chiz Creek did their own the croning. That'd be awesome. Talking about other missed opportunities, I wish a show was still going on. Had it still be going on, I would hope Dan Levy would make an official TikTok for Alexis. And I'm just imagining all the wonderful TikToks we would have gotten. I would want to know how to get out of a trunk of a car. I would also <laughs> want to know how to drive stick in a burka. I would love to know because Alexis has done all these amazing things. I want to know. She'd have my follow. I'd follow in a heartbeat. Let's say someone doesn't want to commit to the entire series. Do you have a recommended viewing order to help with the experience? This just sounds really awful. It just sounds like skip the whole series. Just do this. But if someone didn't want to watch the whole series, what I would probably suggest is watching the end of every single episode and watching all of season six. So when you say the end of every single episode, do you mean like the last like or five unless, minutes or something sorry, like that? The, I'm sorry, the last episode of every single season. There we go. The last episode okay. of every single season. You know, it kind of tells you what's happened throughout the whole season because it's almost like a wrap up of what's happened. And then probably sprinkle in between, of course, we want the a little bit of Lexus episode because they have to watch that. They also should watch the episode where Patrick sings simply the best. So beautiful. And then, you know, all of season six. That's it. If you don't want to do the whole series, do that and then watch all of season six. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a unique perspective that we haven't had before. And I'm not saying it's a wrong perspective at all. For this particular show, you're right. I think you can pull that off. The show really starts to pick itself up and I really start to laugh more and enjoy it more at the start of season five. I would say if you're interested in the Patrick-David relationship, you can start, I believe, at season three, episode seven, and then follow it through to the very end of the season six. That's the thread that runs through the back half of the series. Like, that's my recommendation if you love that storyline. Of course, they can't forget the very last episode that they have about the making of Schitt's Creek at the yeah. very, very end of the entire series. I think that should be mandatory watching after you finish the series. That was exactly where I was about to go next was material that enriches the show's viewing experience. And I, I also watched that documentary right after I watched the series finale. And I agree. It's called Best Wishes, Warmest Regards, A Shit's Creek Farewell. It's a nice retrospective behind the scenes documentary about the making of the series. So you're just kind of along for the ride with Dan Levy as he wraps up the final season. It's very nice. It just like the series itself. It's just very nice to see all these actors cry, miss the show, reminisce about the times they auditioned and saying goodbye to the series and everything. Yeah, it's it's very, very nice. And everybody should watch that if they watch the series. I think one of the best parts of that episode for me was when they had letters that they were reading from people who were touched by the show. That did it for me. It was so nice to see because sometimes as I wouldn't know because I'm not an actor or a writer at all to see the impact that it would make on other people. You put it out in the world hoping people will like it, but you never seem to know how that affects people. And having these people give them real world feedback was just so special. And watching the actors react to that was mm -hmm. really one of the best 
parts of that documentary. He couldn't even finish reading some of no. them. No. <laughs> being so emotional. <laughs> no, I know. It's powerful. There's another thing. If people go on the Shits Creek YouTube channel, you can find a lot of fun webisodes from the first couple seasons. Plus, there's bloopers on there and just other random interviews and stuff that, yeah, it's a good time. It's fun. You could tell that the actors really enjoyed working on this show and that the crew, yeah, they really, really loved it. In fact, um, Dan Levy said if like an idea popped in his head to do a film, he'll do it. He said he'd love to work with a casting crew again. But Rena, would you want yes. a reboot or a continuation series? No, they left it so lovingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the roses are leaving on their own terms. Uh, David is clearly staying around with Patrick for the store. You want to think that the best of them is coming when they leave the town in a good way, that they're mm-hmm. going to come back and still come back to the town. And I like to leave it that way. I like to leave it with the memories like, oh, they're going to come back and visit David and Patrick and it will be great. I would hate to see anything more. Not to say that if Dan Levy said, oh, I'm going to do this thing. OK, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I will turn around happily and watch it. But if you were to ask me right now, like, oh, would you want to see something? I'd be like, no, I like it the way it is. So we're winding down here, Rena. Briefly discuss who you think can enjoy Shit's Creek. The people who enjoy Shit's Creek are the people who enjoy shows with quick witty banter, very quirky characters and are not looking for a clean resolution at the end of every episode. Because I mean, some shows it's like it's a sitcom, you know, they wrap it up. But I think people who really like smart writing, really well-developed characters and a lot of heart would really enjoy this. And if they lived in a small town, that's helpful. Do you have any uh, suggestions for similar shows or franchises that viewers might also enjoy? Right now I'm watching Ted Lasso. I crushed season one of Ted Lasso. There's only one season right now. And it was so heartwarming. It was unexpected in the best ways. And it's the way I felt about Schitt's Creek. I didn't know what I was getting into. Once I got into it, it was one of the best things I've watched on television. And I don't say that lightly. I've been spreading around Ted Lasso. And I say that yeah, after watching, like being there for a month. But I'm glad I hit it late because that means I don't have to wait too long for the next season to come out. Right. Like the people who've been there since the beginning, they've been like, oh, where's my Ted Lasso season two? They really have been yeah. begging for this second season to come. So. I would suggest Fleabag. I think it is smart writing, quirky, and it's quick to stop. You have to be okay with like weird sexual situations, <laughs> which is probably the same in Schitt's Creek on a on a less body level. But still, you still have to be open-minded and ready to watch anything. So we have two. Ted Lasso was one of them. We also have Working Moms. It's a Canadian television sitcom. <laughs> and it's about a group of friends dealing with challenges of being working mothers. I have watched one season of Working Moms on a suggestion of a friend and like Shit's Creek, it took me a while to get into, but how enjoyable <laughs> is that? It's amazing. I will say season three gets a little bit rocky, but it's so good. I think the same mutual friend recommended this to me and she goes, there's a character named Frankie. She reminds me of you. But I saw that first episode. I'm like, I feel seen <laughs> and attacked. I've also been watching Mythic Quest on suggestion of a friend and I actually initially thought was about D&D. I was woefully incorrect and I am so happy I'm watching this now. I'm just happy that Rob McElhenney is having success outside of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Other show that we threw out a recommendation, I kind of went back and forth with Romy on this one, but we'll throw it out. It's Better Things. I forgot about that show. I slept on that for a while. I've stopped watching it because I got to the point with it where I was like, I don't think there's anything more that this show can give me and I need to make time for other shows. (laughs) So I've kind of cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) which is unfair it's worth it yeah it's i know i'm sure it is because i really did enjoy those first three seasons 
I've always liked Pamela Adlin. I mean, she's been in the biz for forever. And her voice acting, of course, is iconic with Bobby Hill and other characters. But it's about a divorced actress who raises her three daughters on her own. And it's very funny, very unique, very good show. Okay. Hey, we did it. We talked about Shit's Creek. Hooray. All right. Well, Rena, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you so much, you guys. No problem. All right, Rena, do you got anything you want to promote? My TikTok's not that great, but you can follow me at Library Vixen on TikTok. Same on my Instagram, Library Vixen. There's a lot of pictures of coffee. My best friend and I are going to be starting a YouTube channel soon. It's a travel YouTube channel. So you can follow us at Library Girls Travel on Instagram. And also um, we have no videos up but we'll be on youtube under library girls travel that's exciting news thank Um, you again thanks for joining us hope to have you back in the future and until then listeners stay tuned for final thoughts and mailbag Welcome back. The funny thing about talking about Shit's Creek is that this discussion with Rena really got to the core of it all, and that is just a really nice show. And I think she really wanted to make that clear that it is just an enjoyable, pleasant show to watch. I also found it interesting that when we got to the character portion of the discussion, she immediately wanted to talk about Stevie and then Twyla. Not so much the roses all that much. Yeah, she liked the supporting characters a lot and felt like she connected to them more than the main characters. Not the direction I expected to go, but it's not a bad thing at all. I mean, it was still obviously a really fun discussion, but it just surprised me. We haven't had a discussion this deep into the podcast where someone immediately wants to head towards those supporting characters before getting to some of the main characters. I don't, did you happen to notice that? What were your thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, no, you can't relate to the roses unless you're a Kardashian who's lost it all. <laughs> Anyone who's fallen from grace who is worth millions can relate to the roses. That being said, I relate more to characters like Ted and Patrick because they're us and we have the same expressions on their face when you just see the weirdness of the rose unfold. Very excellent points. Yeah, we'll be having Raina back really soon here. It's glad that she wants to come back and we look forward to having her back really soon and then again in the future. All right, so we don't really have anything to follow up on in the episode, at least not from what I can tell. We were pretty accurate in everything that we said, so glad to hear that. Now we can just move on. And Romeo, two weeks, we talked about Gossip Girl, and the episode was released on the day that the sequel series was released on HBO Max. So the following week was our Back to the Future episode, and we didn't really feel like it was the right time for you to give a little quick review of what you've thought of the sequel series so far since it's been a couple weeks removed now from that Gossip Girl series. I think now is a good time for allow you to talk about what you think of the return of Gossip Girl. I was sort of excited to see how are they going to take Gossip Girl? Because when Gossip Girl launched, there wasn't Instagram. Camera phones were just in its infancy. So in a world where you're always in surveillance, how does that work. And I have to say, I'm a little disappointed in the sense that none of the characters are as scandalous as the original. I take that back. Thomas Daughtry's Max Wolf is very much Chuck Bass in all the worst ways. But in terms of Gossip Girl as the anonymous online figure, you will know who Gossip Girl is from the get-go. And you believe this to be true. You don't think it's like a misdirect. No, no. They made it clear from the beginning. And I wish the writers would make 
make it more campy because even though it's Kristen Bell dishing out the dirt, it still seems off. That sounds too bad. I mean, critics are not loving this show. It has been rated very poorly on a lot of websites. So it wouldn't surprise me that if there is a season two, that they make some dramatic improvements in attempt to sort of save the show or it's just going to get canceled altogether. They need to because your it girl, Julian, and who is the um, Blair of the bunch and they're trying to make Zoya like um, our Serena. Well, she's kind of like Dan Humphrey in a sense too, mixed in. But the problem is they're holding back to the point where I'm like, we don't want them to be woke about their wealth. We want it to be wealth porn. We want our dynasty S. That's what made Gossip Girl so enjoyable the first time around. These were people who didn't give a crap about anything but being wealthy and reveling in their wealth. And here, it's just tame. It's too bad you don't like it. Are you going to keep watching? Probably, because I'm promised some cameos from the original series. And I'm hoping someone steals Gossip Girl and she finally gets her bite back. I'm not going to hold my breath. (laughs) Probably not, because so far, Gossip Girl's only coming in after two of the characters. She has not gone after anyone else in that group. All I can say is it's time to move on now from that. If you have any thoughts about Gossip Girl or Shits Creek or anything else that has been going on with Binge Essentials, you can email us at bingeessentials at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Binge Essentials. You can also find us on Instagram at Binge Essentials. You can find me on Instagram at David Rocha Binge. You can find Romeo at rmora02. You can find me on Twitter at David Rocha Radio. And you can find Romeo at rmora1. All right. So time to tease next week's episode. Next week, we are not doing a full-length episode. We will be doing a remembrance for Richard Donner. As most of you may know, listening, Richard Donner passed away less than a month ago. And we wanted to do a remembrance episode similarly how I did one for Charles Grodin back in the end of May but because of the slate of episodes we already had scheduled for the month we weren't able to make time to record edit and squeeze it in but now we do have the time so next week we're going to do a very short remembrance of Richard Donner his career what we recommend you guys check out from his career and let me tell you guys it's worth it because this guy has done so many different genres and not only that has classics and all of them pretty much and it's just an amazing career that we definitely want to bring awareness to so check that out next week here on Pinch Essentials remembering Richard Donner with all that being said thanks for listening catch you guys next week